You are listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for their customers in pursuit of their passion. We share our views and experiences relating to hospitality, technological trends, and also relating to humanity. Here is your host, Sam Eric Rutman. Welcome to the first podcast of this year. Well, in this first segment, uh, I'm really thrilled to speak with uh, Willem van Bolderen. He's the architect and one of the founders of uh, Studio Puisto Architects based in Helsinki. I'm interested to find out about their latest developments in hospitality architecture and also the the values and the philosophy about designing hotels. Uh, One of the interesting projects that they started uh, right before the COVID-19 was something called Space of Mind. But in fact, this particular project has now been escalated and is starting to be something what's new in the hospitality industry. So I'm going to discuss with Willem his thoughts and the philosophy about this work and uh, what he generally thinks about uh, the importance that you need to place in when you're designing hotels. So stay tuned for this one. Nice to join your show and, and happy to be here and talk about hospitality and, and architecture in, in general. Yeah, I think that uh, architecture forms such an integral part of uh, our experience where, wherever we stay in hotels. And we may not pay attention to it immediately, but because there's so much thought in, in creating something for people to uh, experience something which is, which is bigger than themselves and uh, and uh, the framework which is around that experience is not only the uh, the soft values which is created by a hotel and their fantastic staff, but also that experience when you see the the building from outside and so you can anticipate what you will see. Uh, are those things that go through your mind when you are even as not uh, designing yourself, but you're looking at uh, things I watch you on Instagram. You 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 like to take pictures of different buildings. So it must be some sort of inspiration. Well, I think like what you were just mentioning, indeed, like the experience that we have as travelers or as guests. I think that's very important, and uh, none of these can be seen by themselves. So it's not just a building or 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 great food. It's where these things come together. So uh, a combination of the environment, which can be beautiful nature, or a city that you're staying in. Uh, in combination with architecture that amplifies that experience and, for example, also amplifies the food uh, through lighting, through atmosphere, and uh, by staff, of course, as well. So if if you have really personal uh, attention from staff, but you're in a kind of like sterile, clean, huge environment, then those things cannot go together. So it's, it's really a combination of architecture um, um, with all the other aspects of hospitality. And I would say that... Uh, I'm an architect myself, and of course, that's what uh, what our office does. Um, but we don't like. Yes, we de- design buildings, but that's not the primary goal. We actually design an experience, and uh, a building is one means uh, to get there. So um, the first thought is like, what what experience do we want to create, and what building would be suitable to deliver that message in a way? Yeah, yeah. Now that that's a good bridge for uh, for you to give some uh, insight of uh, uh, Studio Pushed Architects and how you stand out 
uh, to other architectural firms and also about the values and design philosophy. So uh, could, it would be interesting to hear what you have to say as you're part of the uh, one of the partners and also one of the founders of the firm. Yeah, yeah. So Studio Pushed Architects. So we, we're an architecture office based in Helsinki, Finland, but we operate globally. Um, we the, we are specialized in hospitality, so hotels, resorts, retreats, uh, spas, um, and some private housing as well. Um, we design it from both the master plan, the architecture, and the interior design. So we do it all the way, and then we work with uh, consultants from the industry to also tie in marketing, for example, or food experience or um, uh, lighting, etc. So we work uh, on, on the full set of design challenges when talking about hospitality. How does it start? I mean, uh, when you uh, either are contacting a developer or you are being contacted, where what what is the discussion starting from and how does it develop to that you're starting to sketch out the, the, the feel and what you want to create for them? Yeah, it's 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 a good question. And actually, in hospitality, there are several uh, partners that could be our client, and that would be our first point of contact. Uh, we, of course, there's the property developers that are thinking of uh, creating a hotel, and then the operator might be unknown. We also uh, contacted by operators. Uh, we have, for example, some long-term relationships with, with with some of the major operators, where we, in a way, take care of all the properties. Uh, one of them is in a a part hotel operator and another one is a, is a hotel operator. Um, it can also be that it's uh, somebody who really dips the first, like the like starts the first hotel project, and then it might be an operator slash owner, um, um, and then they're really personally involved. So there's like um, really different types of clients, and of course with different requirements as well. And um, we are there to extend and and and. Uh, create their business with them. So we are listening really carefully to, to what the client is wishing for and then see how our expertise can build on their expertise and, and really create a new business, but also business prosperity to, to the clients. What do you see? This, how are you standing out? I mean, they are, uh, Finland is famous for a lot of architectural firms and great architects and also internationally, some fantastic architects around the world. Uh, where do you see yourself? How do you stand out when the developer has a choice of uh, a, a list of architects, which are all better than the other one? But do you, where do you see your uh, differentiating point to to who when the developer has to make a choice? Yeah, yeah, I think we we're we are actually very good in in um, taking the, the 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 characters and the qualities that are already on the site and and extending them so it's really amplifying for example natural beauty or this urban setting and uh, if you're planning on really building a unique experience i think uh, we are really the the right team for that also because we have the expertise both from master planning all the way to the interior so we can integrally uh, design the project um uh, another thing that we that uh, is really close to our heart is the sustainable value. So um, we're not only building for the here and now, but we're also building for future generations. And buildings outlast uh, us in, in most cases; they last longer than than a human. So um, and and that's a story that also has to be told in hospitality, and and that's very close to our hearts, and that we try to integrate into to all the projects. I mean, that's very good. I mean. Uh... Uh, being myself in in the hospitality work all my working life, I 
uh, I, I felt really uh, it was sometimes very difficult because I could see that it was not a very it was a non-sustainable business I was in. When I looked at how the uh, hotel where I sometimes worked has been built just uh, built for profit and it was just meant to because the location is great and there's a big demand for people coming and uh, no wastewater treatment plants and and also uh, concrete was basically the material that everything is being were mm-hmm. being used and and a lot of things have now changed in the way uh, that the customers are or travelers are thinking you know there's that uh, we, we talk about the millennial travelers and where the values of not only the the, the location but also what where they're going to stay and they, they make some choices and they ask some hard questions that uh, yeah. what, what do you stand for and I think that's where one of the things what I why I wanted to talk to you is because I think you are bringing something very interesting to the table about the, the values you are representing uh, I like that idea you are already done some fantastic work over up in Arctic Lapland where you 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 Pay attention to the nature because it takes so yeah. many, many years. If you touch something, you break something. That will take a long time before it yeah. becomes whole again. Well, that's actually a good example also for for the way we work because, um, um, of course, if you go to Lapland, um, you go there to experience the nature and you go there to experience in a way like how we set out with the project is we want to have this feeling of being at the end of the world, like the world would be flat and you're going to drop off if you walk a few kilometers further. And how to amplify that that feeling of like remoteness of uh, in a way loneliness and loneliness sounds sounds like a negative emotion, but it's actually a very powerful emotion. I think if you can hit the right tone, and um, at the same time, as you said, like nature in the Arctic is is very fragile. Uh, trees are very very slow growing. So if you would have a massive construction going there on there, and you would dig in the ground. Um, not only would you uh, uh, ruin that, that very sensitive nature, but it is also not very good for the operations of the hotel because the first guests that would arrive when the hotel opens, they would be basically in no man's land or kind of a ruined site that would take tens of years to recover. So I think it's um, it's both from a sustainable point of view, um, uh, how we developed the project, but also from the customer's point of view as to um, being able to, like, even the guests that arrived there on day one, that they would have exactly the experience that was designed for them and is similar to the one that would be there in 10 years. So nature was left untouched, trees were left on, on the spot. All the soil that we removed from the bottom of the forest, we placed on the top of the roof of the building. So basically no square meter of green was was lost. And that's not only a sustainable aspect, but it's also a business aspect as it helps with the operations and with the customer experience. Yeah. How does this, your idea, philosophy or design travel uh, outside uh, Nordic? Uh, for instance, now, uh, I love the smell of wood and I know you're an expert on on, on wood and, and uh, how to use uh, wood in architecture and so on. But how does it uh, translate when you you are taken to a desert location or you're going to some location which is very different from our uh, four seasons. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a really good point. And of course, like we are very, uh, like we are very Nordic office in a way in, in, uh, in our values. But um, I think that doesn't mean that all our buildings are built for a Nordic climate. Like if thinking about the desert, for example, like uh, it wouldn't maybe make sense to to fly in wood from elsewhere in the world, but look at uh, at the local materials that are available. Plus, the 
climate and the environment has, of course, different challenges that um, in, in, for example, United Arab Emirates versus versus Finland. And then it's about finding the right match between materials and solutions and, and building up that experience. And I don't think it's so much set into the material or the architecture, but it's about the approach to uh, to the project, the stages that we go through. And for example, in the UAE, there's a beautiful tradition of rammed earth. And rammed earth is, is, is able to absorb heat, but also to release heat during the evening. So it's able to make an indoor climate that is much more stable uh, throughout the seasons and throughout uh, the day and the night, because the nights can be quite cold, whereas the days are, of course, pretty hot. And um, that's also renewable. It's uh, It doesn't take much energy um, uh, versus concrete, for example. So there are a lot of technologies and knowledge around the world that we would like to tap into and turn into a, a contemporary um, forward-looking uh, version of what used to be there. Yeah, I mean, most people think about Finland as sauna, so it doesn't mean that every room has to, you don't need a sauna in every room, but it just translates the philosophy of the way we are thinking about and how you are thinking about your way of But, but actually, can I, can I uh, build on that? Because uh, the sauna, of course, what it is, it's a very, very hot room. And what makes the sauna nice is because it's very hot. And then uh, you step outside where it's very cold. So it's that contrast between warm and cold that that makes it a unique experience. It's a shock as well. It's like you're 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 sweaty and hot, and then you step uh, outside. It might be minus ten, or you might even jump into to a frozen lake in a way, or to like a ball in the ice. And um, um, uh, we, we do translate that uh, to abroad as well. It doesn't mean that we take the sauna everywhere, but this contrast is very important in our project. So. Not everything needs to be grandiose, big, marble, gold. It's luxury comes with uh, transitions and with uh, contrast. So you could have a very dark, small entrance that you almost like would say the feeling of kind of you have to dive down and, and step into a space. And then the space after that reveals itself and opens up to nature. And that second space wouldn't be as beautiful if it didn't have that transition point from the darker, lower space in the beginning. So it's really about um, um, uh, transitioning from one uh, area to another and to create a, a contrast in between these two. And you already mentioned the Arctic Treehouse Hotel uh, up in Lapland, but there the lobby is in, in one building with the restaurants, then you have to travel through the outside to get to your room. And of course, there could have been a corridor as well, and probably that would have been more comfortable and it's easy to drag your luggage through a corridor rather than through the snow but because you have to step outside you can feel this this cold and, and the climate there and maybe it is a bit of a struggle with the luggage of course staff will help you but anyway it's like once you then enter your room you really feel in this cocoon of luxury of, of warmth of, 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 of comfort and it's exactly because you had to go through the outside through the dark that makes it extra rewarding to arrive into the room and I think this is not so much a criticism to, to my colleagues who, who do hospitality projects, but um, a lot of hotels around the world are done in the same way. And you step into a stunning lobby, you're, you're introduced at the desk, but then you disappear into kind of an anonymous elevator through an anonymous corridor, and then you end up into the room. And you've kind of lost the customer in between there from yeah. this beautiful lobby to this beautiful room. Like, you should orchestrate what happened in between there as well. And um, 
Um, uh, of course, if a hotel is located in nature, uh, there's aspects that you can use, but the same can be done uh, in urban settings or in high-rise. Um, uh, opening up views, uh, playing with sound, with smells, with temperatures. So you can create an experience throughout uh, the roots of the guests and, and, and really build an experience uh, uh, everywhere and not just on a few spots. Does, does wood architecture work for urban environment? Uh, I always thought it would be in, in a distant or in, in resort environment. What, do you th what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so uh, maybe it's interesting to introduce it. So I'm, I'm a founding partner of Studio Cuesta Architects, but I also teach at uh, the Helsinki University of Technology uh, as part of the, um, the boot chair, so uh, timber architecture. And um, traditionally, of course, boot has been mainly used for, for low rise, and that's been uh, for, for fire reasons, so fire regulations. And in high rise, um, um, there are some issues when using boot. But there's been some really interesting developments, both in, in, in fire protection, but also in uh, engineered wood products. For example, CLT, cross-laminated timber, is a serious contestant for concrete, and we can build high-rise in CLT. And wood is actually, it's pretty good if you think of the structural integrity of a building throughout a fire, um, because the coal layer protects the wood. And buildings made of wood are able to withstand fire for a very long time. The main issue is with escape routes, etc. And, and, and also there, the technology has advanced and we can offer safe escapes also in high rise and medium rise and in urban settings. So I would definitely say that wood is going to be an important part of our future building stock because um, it it's a, from a renewable material. It's, it's um, very sustainable. And at the same time, it can actually store CO2. So it's it can actually be a climate positive building. Whereas if you think of cement or concrete, for example, you need to burn the caulk that needs super high temperatures. You have to burn gas to create uh, concrete. And then the question is, what do you do with the concrete afterwards? There's actually not much use for concrete after uh, the building life of, uh, of a building is over. Whereas a wooden building, even let's say after 50 or 100 or 150 years, um, you would say this building has no need anymore. You would be able to recycle the wood and reuse it as a raw material for the next building. Yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, in the, I want to move over then to uh, something very interesting that uh, I've been following. It's called the space of mind cabins, just for a little bit... Uh, it, in our uh, video before we, our discussion, uh, I, I show the video uh, and it was a contrast between going to a Mediterranean resort with uh, large beaches, a lot of umbrellas and uh, a lot of uh, sun deck chairs. And then you end up in, in a very pure, natural environment for a walk. And then you fly by this very interesting looking building. Could you share about what's the idea with this? Is something that came up now? Uh, because of the COVID-19 or something that you guys have been thinking about, uh, uh, something that you have thought about before or what is, uh, just give us that principle on this. Yeah, it's actually a combination of both. I think uh, COVID definitely triggered it because we, and like, of course, we all love to travel. We all like new experiences and then um, um, and be on unique places around the world. And unique places, they don't always have to be on the other side of the world. They can also be close to your house and, and uh, you might not realize that they even existed, but how do you stay on those places? So it was definitely born from 
uh, in springtime for, from COVID. And we thought, okay, how can we make a minimal space that could basically be placed uh, anywhere um, and offer a, a high quality experience, architectural experience in closer relationship with nature. Um, the, the second thought that we had when we did this project, um, because basically we didn't do this for a client, client, but we developed this internally, but it definitely came from client wishes because there's a lot of people that have uh, a love for hospitality and would maybe even like to start their own hospitality operations. But we all know that you need a certain amount of key to be uh, profitable, to have uh, high enough efficiency. And that has rendered a lot of locations uh, not suitable for hospitality, just because uh, the amount of keys are not there to, to make it a profitable business. So we looked like, okay, how can we make these places anyway accessible and make it um, as low on operations as possible? So it would be able to, like with a low key count, so let's say five or 10 units would be enough to, to run a, a mini resort or a mini bed and breakfast on a unique spot somewhere uh, in the world. And that can be, like there's been great initiatives from clients. So from national parks to uh, uh, islands that are uh, uninhabited at the moment to uh, yoga retreat in Saudi Arabia, uh, where they would use these as, as yoga condos. So uh, clients really have picked these up and kind of used this, this space of mind as a base to expand their own dreams and to, uh, yeah, to, to venture in new, new directions. Oh, very interesting. Now, uh, some people have said that our world will change more in the next 10 years than it has done in the past, in the previous 100 years. What do you see uh, the kind of looking ahead because now you mentioned that the space of mind uh, cabins and the whole concept is something that uh, has been uh, been catching on. What else do you see that uh, might be in in the in the pipeline that uh, and particularly has has maybe been in the people's mind, but now it's been triggered because of uh, the situation. The the well, the, I will not, I don't use the word normal because it's not a good word anymore. But the the the, the changes that has happening. What else yeah. do you think is well, going to affect? And, and I think, like, of course, uh, people rise up from crisis. And, and I think we could describe the last year as, as somewhat of a crisis because uh, it has shaken the status quo. And, and uh, of course, there's been uh, terrible side effects of effects from, from, from Corona and, and, and the, the mental and, and, and physical damage that it has done to people is, is tremendous. But it has also created maybe some sort of opportunity to realign and readjust and to think like are all the all the routines that we have in life are they um are they the right ones and i think that's been really interesting and that that not only in hospitality but also in architecture and uh, for example the climate crisis is one other one that is coming uh, coming up and and how as professionals can we react to that and and, and participate positively rather than negatively um uh, about those changes like that are coming up in the next 10 years, I think there's going to be a different way of, of working and traveling. So these things are going to blend and, and that's, that's already happening and that's going to accelerate over the coming few years. So hospitality will have to be uh, adjusted that and adapt to it and, and have to be more resilient in a way. So flexibility, I think, is going to be a really important part of, of, of the way forward, both in hospitality and in architecture. I also see huge opportunity there because, um, uh, of course, the computer has been used in, in architecture for a long time, but now we could actually 
um, 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 go even further with standardization, but not standardization as we did it in the 60s, where everything starts to look the same. We can standardize to customize. So a blend of unique architecture, but with the use of, of uh, 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 computer-aided design and artificial intelligence. So that's really something that's going to lift off in the next 10 years. And Space of Mind is actually a fun um, example of that because uh, it, it's built by a furniture company rather than a construction company. And it's completely uh, cut by robots and it, it almost goes together as a Lego. And actually for that robot, it doesn't really matter what it's cutting. It can cut the same thing or, or it can cut something different. It's it's not complaining. It's not has to relearn the thing. So it would be quite easy. Like at the moment, they're all the same. We just changed the cladding. But a very easy next step would be to design it such that we can uh, input different length, heights, width, and the robot just cuts, uh, adjusts the drawing and cuts it again. So it wouldn't take the manual labor in between to redesign it all the time, but we could actually use the computer to help us uh, develop that. And th that also uh, frees up some space from, from the designers, but also from the operations, for example, to, to focus on the things that are even more important. So uh, customer experience, um, um, amenities, uh, but also excursions, um, et cetera. So I think that uh, I, I don't see it um, uh, like it's a huge challenge, but it's a positive challenge and yeah. I'm happy to, to, to take that forward. Well, I think we will uh, do another uh, episode, particularly about the space of mind cam. It's such a huge, uh, huge uh, topic and we can go in great depth about uh, uh, what is the impact for circular economy and etc. Et but, but I, I suggest we leave it at that for now. Uh, I have a question here from Chris yeah. Francine, uh, fellow hotelier, who he has, uh, he's asking a question. Let's see, I'll pop it on the screen here. Uh, how can we influence big corporate hotel chains to change the mindset of developer, developers to build in a more sustainable manner? Yeah, I think um, that's, of course, always like the bigger corporations, they move slower. And um, there's seeing positive examples would, of course, be one way to, to show them. But also, uh, we shouldn't underestimate that the guests want change as well. And also the big corporations, they, they, they're ultimately there for their guests. So um, um, guests are able to distinguish between a genuine sustainable building or greenwashing, or um, uh, let's say uh, don't wash your towel. I don't say that that's not important, but those are all, all minimal changes. Um, so I think we shouldn't underestimate the guests. And if they don't do it now, they're going to be, uh, uh, they have to catch up later on and they might be too late. So I would, um, I would suggest to all the bigger corporations to take sustainability serious, uh, development goes rather slow. So if you don't start now, you might be uh, like one of the last ones. So um, if it doesn't happen through uh, customer demand, it will happen by government regulations. So we better embrace it and, and, uh, and, 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 and go for it for the full 100% than to try to resist. Yeah, I think you, you made very, two very important points. One is that the customer demand is one of the drivers for change also. And uh, they simply have a choice now. And then if it doesn't fit what their values are, then uh, uh, they will say, well, I'm not going to, uh, yeah. I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want, I, I don't like to invest in this because now <clears throat> they are 
there's some key questions people are asking uh, when people are talking developers or hotel brands at the, uh, what does your brand stand for? Who is behind the brand? And what are your values? And mm. why should I invest in, in, in this brand? You know, though, these are questions being asked these days. And, and uh, if, it, if it doesn't uh, answer the questions that, are, that uh, really resonate with me, then we'll say, well, I go where people are taking care of things the way I think, think things should be taken care of. Yeah, and and I have to say, like uh, this question comes really often, and everybody sees sustainability always as an added cost, and it doesn't have to be. Mm. So there's of course some technology that um, like uh, th that costs, and but there's also a lot of um, like smart design thinking it through. Does the room have to be as big as you're suggesting? Uh, do we need the, the same temperature throughout the building? Um, is the orientation correct? Uh, do we have a problem with overheating or with uh, with, with uh, places being too cold? So there's a lot of uh, decisions and choices throughout the design process and, and also throughout operations that would save massively and they don't have the cost, they actually generate money. And um, we should look uh, not so short term to only plan for the next five years, but if you look at 20, 30 years, then uh, a lot of these actually would actually generate money uh, just because you reduce the, the energy consumption of a building, for example, yeah. or the waste of a building or the waste of food in, in, in your, in your F&B uh, operations. So um, a lot of these are, they, they need a, a conscious thought rather than just doing business as usual. Um, uh, there's, of course, some technologies that require an extra investment um, and Arguably, you could even get that money back with, with the marketing impact of those investments. But yeah, um, yeah uh, I, I think the, the, like Airbnb has been a good example of this. Like uh, they challenged the, the, the existing hotel operators and there's more and more uh, apart hotels uh, coming up or hotels like adjusting to kind of the experience that Airbnb is giving them. So also there it shows that uh, sooner or later, um, uh, the industry will change, and 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 I would encourage all the the bigger operators to be on the forefront of it rather than uh, dragging on the back. Yeah, good, Willem. Um, let's talk about you a little bit. And if you look back at uh, 2020, uh, what has been your uh, personal biggest accomplishments? Yeah, oh, uh, I wanted to share you about you now. <laughs> Yeah, like, well, um, it's been interesting, like both uh, for, from, from a family perspective and, uh, uh, of course, also from a business perspective is uh, we used to meet each other every day, work at the office, uh, collaborate, uh, the same goes at home. And then suddenly, um, um, yeah, we were all working from home and we had to readjust. And it also, I think, and we've experienced this all, I think, is that the tremendous flexibility in people to be able to adjust and to take the most positive out of out of out of a kind of something that started off as a, as a negative impact on us. And I think a lot of fresh ideas were born from that as well. And we also see that among our customers and and and, and partners that um, to embrace the change and see, okay, how can I give this a positive twist? How can we come out of this stronger together? And um, uh, that's been both on a personal level in a way and on a, on a, on a business level. And, and then also like, of course, our biggest project is the office itself. 
And also there we've really come together as a team, um, found new ways of collaborating and in some ways maybe even more positive um, um, because of this. Of course, we're all looking forward to, to be all together in the office again, but I think we also realized that we like the things how we did it are maybe not always perfect. And this has given us a good chance to, to uh, realign, check what is important and focus on those. Yeah. And um, my final question is what have you learned about yourself during the pandemic period? Something that uh, revelation, what have you <laughs> learned about yourself? Uh, um, yeah, that's, uh, I, I've rediscovered some personal, uh, uh, joys in life. So for example, uh, you spend more time at home and I've always like, uh, as a kid, I wanted to become an inventor and, uh, because of, of, of work life and, and, and family, of course, that was pushed to the back. And now, uh, I, I, I did give myself a bit more free time. There's also not the commute to work anymore. There's less traveling. Um, so I've, I've taken up some old hobbies, uh, that really give me a lot of joy. And at the same time, gives me time to experiment, uh, on, on projects for clients as well. So, um, um, it, that's been really nice and, and to find those moments of joy. And, and I think one other thing that, that is maybe related to the topic that we have here is that the beauty, um, beauty is really close by. So you don't have to go far to have a change of scenery. And that can be from your own garden or changing your, your workspace from the living room to your workroom to, to the toilet, uh, let's say that way. So there's, there's some beauty in everything, but it also, uh, it might be to, uh, like in the last summer, we, we rented a boat, um, went to an island with a tent with, with my wife and my daughter. We were literally 14 kilometers away from home. Um, and it felt like we were in Croatia. <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we took food, we prepared it there, we made a fire. And um, I would say the experience is, is uh, if you can capture that uh, as, as a hospitality uh, operator, um, yeah, that, that's, that's something unique. And, and um, um, uh, yeah, the, those are things that to, to treasure those, that's something really that I've, I've learned more. Uh, over the last few uh, years, if if you see my, uh, my the amount of flights that I did in, uh, in 2019 versus last year, um, I think it was a reduction by 99%. Uh, and um, uh, the amount of experience maybe have, has have stayed the same. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, thanks very much, Willem. I think it's been a great um, great discussion, and uh, we we have. Uh, Chris Francine gave that question, which I appreciate. Thank you very much, Chris, for, Thanks, Chris, for yeah. joining the live show and giving and also posting that very good question. And uh, I think that um, uh, we will close this episode and we are definitely coming back with uh, about more of a talk about and we'll dive deeper into the space of Thanks for joining us this week on the Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, b8bhospitality.com where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or Spotify, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we appreciate rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.